there. Welcome to Mental Illness Life. I am Brooke. This one is a little bit different. I started an interview series and first of all, I need to apologize for the sound quality. I am an expert at speaking, (laughs) not necessarily at audio editing. So I did my very best. I think this one is super cool. Um, One of my very favorite people, Liza Long. If you have not read her book, please do so. It's called The Price of Silence. It's amazing. I talked to her about um, questions that I have, questions that she has, how we know each other. It's just a really cool conversation. She asked some questions that I hadn't really thought about that people would be interested in. So I hope that you like it. Um, To recap, my name is Brooke and I live successfully with post-traumatic stress disorder bipolar type one, panic disorder, and adjustment disorder. So like all the disorders. (laughs) I'm going to just get going, start this up for you, and I hope that you love it. The next one is going to be in a couple of days, and it's the aftermath of a panic attack. So stay tuned for that one. Hope you guys take care of yourselves and each other. That's why I love that you said that. Well, everyone thinks about it. Yeah, you and I—that's our normal. Right. I think that's part of the reason your podcast is so important because we're normalizing yeah. what a lot of people are afraid to say because they, they might feel weird, definitely or abnormal. But you're just like right out there. Right? I, I've been so. um, talking about like hashtag say your shit. It used to be fuck stigma, <laughs> but I feel like. That's happening. The stigma is stigma is not the problem. Going it's away. It's discrimination. It's lack of supports in the workplace. It's mm-hmm. lack of empathy. Yeah. Um, stigma isn't a particularly useful construct, I right. think, especially for Agreed. younger people. I've noticed with younger people, they have no right. problem. Like maybe in our generation, we would right. have had a problem yep. talking about some things to people, and now people disclose to me all the time. All the, the time. Millennials are just like, "Yep, this yep. is it." Exactly. <laughs> I have that all the time. Somebody I'll meet, and then. We're talking about like regular stuff and then all of a sudden, well, I had a suicide attempt and you're like, oh. what? You know, like, but, but it's, so it's, mm-hmm. people do feel comfortable, whether they feel comfortable saying it to the world, that's a different story. But like, we get that a lot where people just say their shit to us because we're such good listeners, whether we want <laughs> to or not. Which is why I love that conversation. Back. Well, I think yeah. we already started this podcast. We did. <laughs> without even knowing what we were doing. We this is the first of the interview series and well, kind of just set it up. Can I say so. that I'm just so excited to yes. be asked to interview the amazing Brooke Lacey of Mental Illness Life. And my name's Liza Long. I'm an author of The Price of Silence, a mom's perspective on mental illness. I have a so son good. who has bipolar disorder and I can't even remember how we met Brooke but the universe Facebook yeah it's probably Facebook. love Facebook right? but I was so affected by I remember vividly sitting in my house when the Newtown murders happened or the shooting murders I guess both they were but yeah. yeah and Broden was in fourth grade or something third grade yeah. I can't remember. And so he was like young like that. And my kiddo was in seventh grade. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, it was like a visceral reaction. And I think for like two days, cause I remember, remember the, um, the newscast, it was like, uh, Lester Holt and he couldn't, it's going to make me cry again. Like yeah. he couldn't get through the newscast without crying. Oh, it's horrifying. I think he said like, horrifying. they're kindergartners 
or something. What, what, yeah, 20 first graders and yeah. six educators, and I work in education. Right. So there was that. It was just visceral. Time. And then yeah. I read a blog post called I Am Adam Lanza's Mother. Yeah. And that just I don't know why but it's not like I had a child I didn't like associate it because I had a child like that I just felt like I hear you like I don't know what you know this isn't about mental illness and it's not about guns and it's not about this and it's not about this you know it's about each individual situation and you know I can't obviously go back verbatim right, that was quite a few right. years ago but well, you I pretty knew, much nailed it thank you I knew <laughs> you from that and then when I found it, there was some sort of connection maybe through some mental health thing but I, just, I think I just messaged you it was like what's up and like, I was like, wow, let's chill? meet. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Let's chill. We did chill. And yep. I just loved watching your journey as an advocate. Thank I you. feel like it's been so important to the community and so I many agree. good things to come. It's going to be so cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, just the fact that you're so raw and real and... That is the deal. Funny. <laughs> <I'm> funny. <laughs> you are yeah. funny. <laughs> it's, it has to be. Like, I... Humor's everything. And There's this quote, I can't even remember who said it. It's in a Christopher Durang play, but it's laughing wild amidst severest woe. Oh, that's <laughs> always, it. That's always hold on to that quote. I think that's that, it. that that just describes sometimes how we feel yeah. when we're in the chaos of yes. a mental illness episode or uh-huh. crisis as a family, as an individual. It's just, yeah. Have you ever seen The Money Pit? Oh yeah. So yeah. with the when he's up there and it was sort of the the last straw and you put the water in the um, tub and it falls through yeah. the floor oh, yeah. and then he just stands there laughing, laughing like hysterically. Yeah. I will watch that because I'm like this is how I feel most yeah. days. Like yeah. most days that just it just keeps building and then all of a sudden I'm like you know, dying of laughter. Yeah. You have to. I know. But I'm so honored that you would ask me to kind of basically interview you. Duh. Like, get the backstory. So excited. uh, Yeah. I was just completely thrilled. I just love what you're doing with the podcast. Good. So, I I don't know. I, I kind of was teasing around if there were things off limits, and I'm not. Nope. You seem to like not have nope. things that are off limits. None I, at I wouldn't all. say all advocates are that way. I, I am not that way. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> off yeah. limits. I think because I didn't have, we'll find out here, but I didn't have the types of traumas that, well, an EMDR kicked a lot of stuff out too. Right. So there's yeah. reasons why now is the time. Right. 20 years ago, fuck no. I yeah. would never been able to say any of this stuff without breaking down. Right. That's why now I live successfully with it. Before, mm-hmm. I was just fucked. So right. now, right. like... This is the journey. And so I I try to tell people, like, I'm not trying to make you learn from my mistakes. You got to go make your own mistakes. But this is just what's working for me. I'm telling the story. You just nailed it. Everyone's on their own path. Yeah. Like, this is such an individualized thing. The brain is such an individual organ. Exactly. Everybody's dealing with their own thing in their own way. In fact, I completely laughed about a line you had in one of your podcasts where you said, you you can't yoga this away or something like that. Because I do a lot of yoga and I know you you just came from the gym, right? Yeah, you do all the things. Yeah, it's not that those things aren't important, but I'm living with depression right now and Mm -hmm. I'm on medication. My yoga teacher just the other day, we were laying there and, you know, Shavasana practicing being dead. I love corpse pose. I I always think when I'm there on the mat, I'm like, I'm practicing being dead right now. Yeah, 100%. Very ego flattening yeah I think the point but yeah is. she's like you know now you can do yoga so you don't need to take medication shut the fuck up she said that and I was like in her face after class and I was like I am a proud person living with depression oh. taking medication oh. it is saving my life and I also like yoga <laughs> you know, that is so such good. an interesting thing because I've talked about this seriously a hundred times that like 
there are certain groups and there's certain things that have come up over the last few months where people are saying you can get to a point where you don't need your medication. And I go, you don't actually have mental illness if you think you can just go off your medication. Sorry. I think like... Again, because everything's so individual, I right. think that what you just said is is probably true. Like, there's definitely situational periods where people might need right. extra help. Exactly, I think that's true. I mean, well, we know that from our society, plenty of people are self-medicating in right. very unproductive and irresponsible exactly. ways. It's a tragedy. And then it leads to other things because right. you're right. over self-medicating. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that there that's the the challenge is to tease out what are what do we mean by mental illness and what do we yes. mean by ordinary life experience. Yes. And then, how do you live? With mental illness while also acknowledging that you have ordinary life experiences that is right absolutely I mean, and i feel like that's what therapy is for and yeah. to be able to like do this type of thing this is extremely therapeutic for me to I like noticed. get to <laughs> yeah. this point you know the self-awareness piece i think is yes. such a big part of it and being able to just be very honest yes. with yourself which i love so Same i did want to take you back okay. i, I want to go back to you your I'm, I'm curious because I'm a mom of a, of a kid who is now diagnosed with bipolar. Yep. And, you know, I saw a lot of signs in, in Eric and my son when he was a child. Right. Uh, that there were some differences and some challenges he right. faced. And we thought it was autism at the time. Right. What was your childhood like? Tell me what So very what different um, because there's nurture and nature. Right. And I, I feel like maybe Eric, and, and we are speaking as friends and we know each other. Right. This isn't like, you know, this isn't our first rodeo together. Yeah. And I know Eric in the sense of like, you know, heard his TED talk and that kind of stuff and, and, and read the stuff. So I'm coming from a place where I know your situation and his issues, I really believe were nature. I mean, yeah. he had a good mom. Oh, and you sweet. You <laughs> did tried. everything you could for Mama him. Mama tried. Yeah. Mine was the opposite. Where I, so my bipolar is PTSD induced. Wow. So they feel like, yes, I had, you know, there's, there's mental illness in the family and there's all of these things, so trauma but triggered. the trauma triggered the bipolar tendencies oh. and it was bipolar two for a long time because of the depressive side. Mm-hmm. And then when I did TMS, he was like, I really feel like it's yeah. bipolar one. And TMS is that trans- transcranial magnetic, magnetic stimulation. stimulation. Yeah. And I've talked a lot about that yeah. on, on one of the episodes. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. That actually helped yeah. me go down in lithium levels. That's great. So that's there great. is, there are things out there, but again, that's super like, it's legit. It's like electroshock therapy. Yeah. So you're still doing that extra thing. It's not like I did enough yoga and so I don't have to take enough lithium. Right. That's it's not a, what happened. It's finding the right balance. It's zapping your fucking brain is what it's doing. But I think this is such an interesting point because childhood trauma is not an isolated event. No. Unfortunately. And I mean, do you feel like some of this could have been preventable if your parents had had better resources 100%. or better education or, well, you know, like what could have so helped So in, during EMDR, my therapist and I decided and really like really researched this, that my mom has, has to have undiagnosed borderline. Yeah. Um, I, went, so, I wondered because yeah. these things go in families. Oh yeah. Unfortunately. So, so yeah. we really feel like, you know, she had, she has still to this day, you know, undiagnosed, you know, we knew that like she had depression and so, or I knew because she went through all of that too, right. but like it was so selfish and so she's so self-involved that, mm-hmm. but as a child, I think I was probably six or seven when she found Jesus and mm-hmm. she found Jesus. Uh, and then it was her addiction. And so with borderline, you know how, you know, part of it is addiction. Well, a lot of people just think, oh, alcohol, drugs, religion is in, is an addiction and your judgment towards other people. 
And so um, she just never bonded with me. Oh. Never really quite had the love that, that a daughter needed. It's very conditional. Very conditional. conditional. Yeah. She was threatened. I don't know if threatened is the right word, but like she hated that I was beautiful. So she cut and off all my hair. Oh. Yeah. There's Broden was actually talking about it yesterday because I sh- showed him a picture of it. And you can just tell in these pictures when I was in like junior high and stuff, I was so miserable. Sad. Just miserable. Yeah. Um, with this short, dark hair. You know, didn't, I was always like developed early. Like I was very curvy and beautiful and, but I thought that was wrong. She made it so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It was so wrong. So there's all these sort of, it it was trauma over the course of, I don't know, eight years because they split when I was like 14 and, um, it just was kind of this constant, uh, like she kept me home one year. I was not allowed to leave the house other than to school. Um, I, I wasn't allowed to watch TV or, or listen to music, uh, at all. I remember one time when Mariah Carey came out, I had my Walkman and I was like under the covers, like my friend like snuck it for me. Oh. And I remember being like, you know, it was almost self-medicating with, with her singing, you know, and oh. I would just sit there and listen to it over and over and over because I didn't have any idea. Yeah. I remember my brother got a, um, I remember the Red Hot Chili Peppers, their album was called, um, Loves sex magic or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. She made yeah. us take that. She found it and made us take it outside and break it with broomsticks because it was, you know, of Satan. Wow. There were times where eventually it got to the point where we were like, she's fucking crazy. Like, what the fuck? Because yeah. I never succumbed to it. I tell right, people this a right. lot. Like, I have a lot of, like, ex-Mormon friends and ex-Jehovah's Witnesses friends and, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I never succumbed to it. And even yeah. at a very early age. You knew that that wasn't. And that yeah. was such heightened anxiety that I didn't understand because I didn't, I was a scientist. Right. I remember, because she believes so strongly in the yeah. rapture and she's a born-again Christian and nothing wrong with born-again Christians. Nope. Okay? Nope. Nothing. Nope. Except for when, in any religion, you then make that what, you know, the standard by which people should live. And if they don't, then they're wrong. And I would lay there at night, like literally as a scientist thinking, now, so Jesus is going to fly through the air. And then I'm, what, like, do I go out of, does my body just fall? I mean, science. You're trying to figure out the scientific explanation for the rapture. How is this going to work? Like, how's the rapture going to work based on the laws of science? Exactly. Yeah. And that's how it's been for me. That my whole hard. life. That would That's be hard. That's <laughs> why I study Kabbalah because it's like the combination of the two. Science, but, like science and mysticism. Yes, kind of exactly. Because it's not yeah. two different things. I would. I used to tell her like, because the, the church has separated chi- science and church uh, and religion. And I'm like, I always said like, actually I've heard this before. I don't think it was me that said it, but God didn't open a physics book to create science. If we're all talking about creation and I feel like there is part of that in, in the world, then, then he created that too. Why are we saying quantum physics is different from religiosity? Like it's not, it's all the same thing, you know? Well, it's so, that word epistemology, right? Like, how do we know stuff? The science right. of, like, the the way we know things. Right. It's really interesting to it, me. It is. Yeah. It really is. And I, I mean, I think I'm probably the same as you. I believe in science, but mm-hmm. I, I admit that my own understanding might not be all there is. Right. right? So I'm open. Exactly. Very open and curious. Open, exactly. Yeah, open and curious. That's what kept me so under the thumb is that I was open and curious, but I wasn't allowed to be. Right. And it, it was... The the word is resentment. I, at a very I'm early age, <laughs> the level of resentment that I had toward her because of not allowing me to be who I was and not loving me for who mm-hmm. I was 
was poison. And that's where the PTSD comes from. It was over so many years. And there was right. physical abuse. The, her favorite thing to do was slap Aww. in the face. Because, of course, the pretty face, she had to, to slap it. Right. Um, and lots of different things. I remember this story. Uh, or I, I would come home from... I think it was like sixth or seventh grade. Remember back then we would write notes to each other yeah. and that's how, that was the Kids, texting. That yeah. Was texting. Like that's we what like happened. Wrote it down. Wrote it down, then folded it up. Sometimes and like, in code. <laughs> which I should have done with her, but you know, I wasn't that smart, I guess. I don't know. But, oh my gosh. but I remember coming home and she would make me dump out my purse to and then read the through notes. them with me there. Read through all of my wow. embarrassing, like, I like this boy and this boy. And then she would like, tell me this is wrong. And oh. you know, as that age, you're like, why is everyone else able to do it? And I'm not, and this and that. So it's confusing, really confusing. Cause you're coming up in age, your brain's not even developed yet. Right. And so you don't know. And that actually forms how you like the back right. to the nature and nurture question. Right. The trauma actually Was nurtured. Then, when, like when you talk about anxiety, for example, right. you're, fight or flight state was kind of constantly yes. activated which, all the time you know, overstimulated in amygdala yep there's a lot of brain research that shows that can be linked to bipolar yep that's that's really eric's ex- issue like a exactly. large amygdala fight or flight all right the time. all the time yeah. and that adrenaline <laughs> yeah. too like that whole system um i i yeah. sometimes realize over the last few months because i think tms helped this but um i had a physical response to the fight or flight where i could physically feel that adrenaline come up from the, my gut and up through here. And then you could yeah. usually see the red. And so there was like this physical manifestation yeah. of it where she'd come around the corner and I'd get that feeling. Flush. You would flush. And yeah. then yeah. It, later in life, if, there, if you know a boyfriend broke up with me or something like that, that would happen Same again. So it doesn't matter what the situation was. I was traumatized. Right. right. So, you know, there was little things like, I remember telling somebody that Tony Hawk was my cousin. Oh. And she marched me into junior high and made you tell tell the entire class. Why does this even matter? Because I was a liar and mm. I needed to be punished. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you so, know, so I'm curious. Mm-hmm. We've talked about EMDR a little bit. I like yeah. to try to break things down for listeners. So eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. reprocessing. Good job. <laughs> at EMDR, which I'm also a newly converted fan. Yep. It's funny we talk about science, right? I yep. have to admit, EMDR looked like a lot of woo-woo yes, stuff it does. to me for a yep, long time. It, does. it took me a long time to to really come to the place where I was yep. even willing to to try that. Right. But so for me, when I did EMDR, actually reprocessing the trauma that I needed to work through right. helped me to, I don't, I don't know if compassion is the right word. I, I, I have the memories. I still remember the trauma. Right. But I now look at the situation in a way of understanding more about the person who traumatized me. Right. I, did that help with you and your mom? Yeah. Could you see that the context maybe? Oh, 100%. That it wasn't about me, I guess, is what I realized. Like, it was really right. more that person's problem and it wasn't, I wasn't I feel like it was, it's like, it, it's absorbed into you as, as the trauma where you like, you didn't invite it in. And so yeah. when you've absorbed it, especially at an early age, you can't get rid of it. And so yeah. that is definitely true, the whole EMDR thing. I mean, it's, it's legit it's a little strange, you know. Um, I want to be clear be... too. Like I, my, I had the happiest childhood in the world. Right. <laughs> like, I'm the only person in the world. I think you had an incredibly happy childhood. So, right. So for me, I'm really grateful. I had the resilience. And then when I hear totally. stories like yours, I think, oh my gosh, you know. I mean, my resilience that I built up from unconditional love in childhood got me through a right. lot of shit. 
Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I got that got me through a lot of really, really tough times yeah. as an adult. I could always go back go to back that to feeling that. of knowing I was loved. Right. Um, but still, the trauma is the trauma. That's what. So right. That's how I was convinced to do EMDR when you were talking about the flushing. I was right. having panic attacks yep. every time I would get an email from this person, right. and I'd go, I'd melt down. Or yep. if I had to see this person someplace, I'd just shut down. Right. right? And I'm totally. like, I thought I'd forgiven. I thought I'd done the work. I'd done cognitive behavior therapy. I, right. You know, and I right. still, my body remembered. Yep. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And that is the self-awareness piece where you understand the physiology of it and the yeah. fact that like th- this mind-body connection and, yeah. you know, it's weird, where it's, it right? feeds through. It is weird. Mental illness is a physical illness and it right. manifests physically. And right. yeah, and, uh, like finally I, I'd heard enough testimonials from people like you. I think you yeah. were one of the people who kicked me over the edge, actually. I was like, Good. I gotta go try this weird voodoo stuff. Yeah. What? You know what a lot of people <laughs> yeah. don't realize is that this is highly effective for war veterans. So if you think yeah. about it, these big burly dudes are sitting there in a therapy room looking at people's fingers and, um, it, you know, and it's it's legit, yeah. like, clearing and out of things. Tapping, like, yeah, there's, tap, different, there's ways. different ways to yeah. do it. But yeah, it just helps your brain to, yeah. like... I don't know. I tell people it's like it put that trauma on a table. That's I say the same thing. Yeah, it yeah. Like put it out on the table yep. so I could like examine it from many angles. Yep. And come out of that right. saying I'm I'm okay. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the EMDR situation for me was very very intense. I had to yeah. take two or three weeks off work. Um, yeah, because we shouldn't sugarcoat the, this process. Oh, no. Yeah, no. And the CMS, too. Like, this yeah. is legitimately... You're going to feel it. Because I've <laughs> talked to people before, and they're like, oh, EMDR didn't work for me. I'm like, well... Oh, it's because you didn't do the work. You didn't do it right. Uh, not yeah. that we want to blame anyone. No, but yeah, no. But it's, if you do it, you're engaged in the process, yeah. for it's, sure. And especially if you have trauma over years, yeah. because it was there were so many... I think I, I had to go seven or eight different times right. That's really just normal. for that. Really normal. Yeah. Really, really normal. Yeah. And we, you bring up the stuff and then you like, and then you find like a good place to go. God, this is yeah. almost 10 years ago that I did this. Yeah. Um, I, I remember specifically there was two, two different things where she had me put my mom on like a, a witness stand and she was un, or a, a judge stand or something like that. She was unable to speak or respond. And I was able to say anything I needed to say to her. And it was kind of in my mind. I didn't actually say the words, but it was so clearing. And then your brain does this thing because it's not like just talk. It's not talk therapy. it's not just talking. You are actually like reprocessing the way that your brain... Remembered it. Thinking. It's the way that the memory was encoded. Exactly. And you keep the memory. You do. But it's not... You do. You don't have that physical response. And the the biggest thing for me was the... So I, I don't know if it's regression, but she had me go back to my child self. And I have all these very vivid memories of um, being in that kitchen where we grew up. And this beautiful little blonde girl is all I can see that just wanted her mom to like, not just love her, but like let her be her. And so, and, and be nurtured. And so she, she had me go back as the 33 year old mother of a, 
you know, kindergartner, I think Broden was. Um, so the same age as Broden and go back and nurture that child self. Oh. And it was fucking legit. Like, that's beautiful. It just you was gave like, that child oh, what yeah. the child needed. Yep. Which I think is so, that's why it's so important that now that you're a mom and you're yes. living with mental illness and you're sharing this so openly. Yes. I think the message is it's not too late. No. Like not for children who were traumatized. Right. It's not too late as adults to right. go back. Right. And give yourself what you needed. Figure it out. Yeah. And it's not too late for parents. No. Right? Because I, I honestly, you know, I don't think the person who abused me meant to. It wasn't right. an intentional thing. Definitely not. And reprocessing it helped me to accept that. To right. realize that, okay, this person, these were this person's issues. Right. I you really know? feel that way even about like physical abusers. I, yeah. I feel like they don't really mean to. It's like, yeah. it's almost like uncontrollable, it's but it's their thing. It's, it's not the other person's thing. It yeah. is a cycle. It's a cycle. And yeah. I think that's what I love about your story is that by being self-aware, yeah. by being honest with yourself, yeah. you know, Seeing you can then, you can break the cycle. You can. You and that's can. what happened you have that power. when I never planned to get... <laughs> pregnant I never planned on having kids because I didn't know if I would if it would like trigger me being like her and it's definitely not perfect like my bipolar episodes manifest in like serious anger issues like serious anger issues so that's where you and Eric are similar I remember we talked about that yes and when Broden was really little and I was getting super flustered and angry I was like yeah this isn't gonna work for me and that's when I figured out you know to go get re-diagnosed and that kind of stuff but there is a story though one um, of the things that I remember vividly about the EMDR so a few years before I had gone to Puerto Rico and um, it was probably a year before that with this friend and we went to the rainforest and we sort of scaled down I have pictures of this because he was able to take a picture of me we kind of like went into this sort of private waterfall and I laid on one of the rocks and just the waterfall was coming down. And I remember saying to myself, remember this, this is your happy place. Like, remember this, remember this. And so during EMDR, she had me take my child self that same age to the waterfall with me. And not only that, but like hold her the way that I hold Broden it was it it gives me chills to this day I was so powerful and like because because the way that Broden and I have this bond that when he was younger he'd like come home from school or we'd lay on the couch and he would kind of lay right here you know when they're little he was like you know preschool and he would just lay right here and we just have this bond that that child self never had with her mom and so and not really even with with my dad either like he just didn't know what to do he didn't know what to do he didn't know how to protect me pretty dominant force of nature very much yes but yeah that was really that was really powerful because it's not necessarily hypnosis and it's not no it's not like regression emdr is legitimately like you're actually taking this child self like in your mind to wherever you need to take them if that's where your trauma was and that's what happens with like rape victims and and war veterans is they go back to those places as well so yeah because the the problem is like if you haven't processed that memory correctly it's actually still stored where it's going to trigger your amygdala exactly so you got it you're not going to lose that memory but you're going to put that memory i feel like i always tell people it's like over here yeah it went over there instead of right here yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really strange thing unless it's yeah unless you've actually gone through it but i would say you need someone who's really trained yeah you can't you through 
through the process. It it's is a full a, training. It's a scary process. It is very it's, scary. It's frightening. It takes courage. I'm I was so exhausted every so, day. Exhausting. Like, yeah, it, just sure. so exhausted. Yeah. And, and weird, yeah. weird dreams. Oh, it was weird all dreams. of that. Yeah. You do have to be in a, in a mental state that... It's sort of like people who are like, I'm so afraid to do drugs. You know, if you like, take, if you have example, a bad acid trip. I did mine over spring break. <laughs> right. Because I knew, I did right. the research I talked about. You're not going to be able to teach your and class. I knew that I probably, like, it might be a good time for me to, like, take a little break from work. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. Which yep. I know isn't a luxury everyone has. Right. Unfortunately. True. So, yeah, we're, we're lucky. Yeah, it was like vacation yeah. time or, or something, um, medical yeah. leave that yeah, I you had can take, to. Yeah, you can take medical leave mm-hmm. for this for sure. But it's, yep. I, I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Wow, we've covered a lot of childhood mom stuff that all yep. kind of tied together. I yep. love the EMDR. Yeah. Um, I... Now that you're on this journey with a podcast and yeah. all of this stuff, yeah. like how has that changed your your experience of living or has it? Has a it lot. It has yeah. changed my experience a lot. And there's been, it's kind of like fire hose. Uh, <laughs> it was like February <laughs> that I started doing this. Right. And I remember being like, like I, because I think I said to you even like, <laughs> I did a podcast because I don't know how to write. And blah, 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 you know, like I got my information out there and somehow it's just going to get yeah. out there. And I didn't quite realize, because I'm not a podcast listener, I didn't quite realize how big that is. Oh, like yeah. people are into podcasts. And so I pretty much immediately, the first three, I got, it, there was global attention. Yeah. I have people from Australia, like, cause I was posting it on Twitter. But it's cause you're so real. You're so authentic it, about your journey. It has, and that is not you know, lost people, on me. People want to yeah. hear that. They right? do. They, yeah, they want to hear the unvarnished. Exactly. Yeah. And I think in this, I, I've said this a couple times to people, like there's power in the one-sided story where yeah, oh, I love that. Like, like on stage and you've done that too, where yeah. it's like, there's no conversation. There's mm-hmm. no like, you know, uh, reaction. It's sort of like when I'm going to be on stage talking that this is my brave. This is my brave. And, right. Um, where I am giving you the information you need to kind of ruminate on that for a while or make you laugh. And, and that's all there is. You know, you're not responding to me. There's no like back and forth. There's power in that. So I think there's power in the dialogue too. Exactly. And like, that's I why love, I wanted to do that. I this. love this conversation. Again, one of the best conversations of my life. Like, you know, <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> I just love talking it's with you. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really that. amazing. But yeah, I think that that's such a powerful truth. The yeah. power of the one-sided story. Yeah. And really the is. audience that you can touch by sharing. Huge audience. And yeah. what a lot of the feedback that I've gotten sort of privately just in emails is is just thank you. Yeah. And like yeah. they're not trying to tell their story or, you know, any of that. Or they're not even saying that like, oh, I went to therapy. They're just saying thank you. And that's that's all that's really needed is it, the information just needs to get there. I, I'm not I can't make you go to no. a therapist or, you know, get get on medication. I just need you to understand that that this story exists and and that hope is exists exactly hope exists because that can be the hard part it's so isolating right. like whether you're a caregiver or whether you're living with mental illness you just right. can feel like you're in your own little very right. narrow world it's true where you're walking through your day and you know other people you just can't right. feel like you can relate or that they can relate to you right and you lose that sense of hope it's true but when you're willing to share your story and say you know i i talk through that i'm yep. hopeless i need help yep exactly <laughs> you know? and being like this whole vulnerable thing and yeah. i said this on one i know um brene brown's a big you know, i'm a big fan brene. of brene yeah. and she said something about how vulnerability isn't really vulnerability if you're 
able to disclose and you're comfortable with the disclosure. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty much disclosing fucking everything, right? Like, (laughs) how vulnerable am I really? But it, but she says that it's the courage to put something out there without knowing what's going to happen. And I'm like, that I get because I have no idea what's going to happen when, when this is all put out there. Honestly, ask you, do you care? Do you care about I haters? did at first. Did you? I No, not the hate. I don't fucking care yeah, about I haters. Like, no. I was like, I just would like cue the Taylor Swift song. No, no. Haters going to hate it. Like every time I got really uh-uh. horrible feedback, I'd be like, oh yeah, whatever. Haters no, hate whatever. It. Yeah. I was, I was legitimately concerned about the family members right. and the people in the, you know, personal life that. So can I ask you that hard yeah. question? Because mm-hmm. this is something I think about a lot. Power of story. Mm-hmm. Your story is so valid, so important. Yeah. How do we handle that fact that often with mental illness, our stories intersect with other people's stories? I don't know the answer to that. I don't either. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Have you, I mean, I know you've thought about it. Well, I don't think any of them know. Okay. So like. So like you don't use names, for example. Right. Yeah. You know, I can find out. Or I use a pseudonym for Eric. I can find out who, like who everybody is pretty quickly, but that's just me because I'm, you know, a computer hacker. But but like most people listening probably don't care about true. that detail. I, yeah, that's I mean, what it is. I yeah. think when you have stuff that's intertwined, I mean, yeah. it, it is what it is. There's people involved. There's, there's well, stories. I'm like Tara Westover's wonderful, educated, right. her, her very brave, very vulnerable memoir, you right. know, but, but she named family members right. and family members had a different view right. about what had happened. Right. And, and you're kind of like, well, then yeah. tell your story. This is my story. I tell like your story. I, like, I like that. that's how yeah. I said that to somebody earlier, like, um, at some point, like this is me and what I'm doing. And I was, it was that sponsor that decided to back out of giving me sponsorship money because they were like, well, we need to dictate what you're saying. And I'm like, no. Yeah. So, but I can understand. So that was like, like a oh, hundred percent. Right. Yep. They, yeah. they wanted to do it. Legal said we really can't. So it's, it's not, yeah. I have no ill will, but I think the point is like, you really do have to say, I had to get to the point, um, where I just went, it's going to piss people off. And if, if somebody sees this or finds out about it and then goes and tells those people, because those people I'm not connected to like mom and dad and and brother, I'm not connected to them on social media. And that has to happen sometimes. Right. You need the boundaries. Boundaries are so important. So if they find out it's certainly not because I'm making a big deal out of it. It's because maybe a, a different family member Right. told them and that's that's on them like yeah. do you want to hurt these people's feelings i don't know but i'm just saying the truth i'm saying what happened and that's the real challenge i think like for people to understand that mental illness is really just an individual story right it, it does involve right. family tons almost always right <laughs> so i was gonna say if you have a almost family <laughs> your mental illness you're probably story, fucked up no probably, <laughs> <laughs> we used to joke we put the fun and dysfunctional that yes exactly <laughs> right? and our, our joke yeah but uh but yeah i you know i had to think about that a lot because i well like when i shared eric's story i used yep. a pseudonym and i thought that was enough and like quite honestly no one was able to track him down in case right. you're worried right but, you know he chose to put his own name on his own story and now right. we advocate together exactly but i do actually ask his permission now but i know like right. in your situation i don't i don't see how that would be possible and with the the great thing about the podcast is you don't really you know see these things or you know i don't have to say who it is i don't have to do anything right and it's like you know there's just not enough attention on it it is going to like you know feed back to things but you can go back and listen and I never actually say names no, or I yeah, never actually say. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even names. think I, I thought quite through that, but like, 
Yeah. You do. You have to just decide. Like mm-hmm. I had to decide there is a risk involved here. This is what I've always thought because I want, this is not my first so rodeo. Candid- and candidly too, you are, are self-employed. Yes. You, and you're an amazing business owner. You have a Thank great you. web design business. You're so talented. Thank you. But you know, like someone who maybe works for a corporation right. might not be in the That's same exactly place. exactly right. Where they could be so vulnerable. Exactly. Right? Sometimes yep. there, we, I think we can't live in the space we live in and not acknowledge the real world consequences. You right. know, I said we don't care about stigma. Right. But like we don't really have to either. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like you don't, it doesn't yeah. have, actually my room roommate said to me when I first started, you know, he's like, what if people find out about this? And you know, they don't want to, yeah, (laughs) they don't want to like hire you. I'm like, well then I don't want them as clients. So, and I've actually brought in podcasting into different client situations where I've had them do their own. And then when it, when it comes up, like, well, what is yours about? I just say, well, it's like mental health, you know, and then move on. And if people want to know, then they want to know, but I haven't, I haven't run into that. The stigma is moving along. Like it's it's yeah. really just not there. It, yeah. It's not. And a lot of people do think, oh, she's kind of strong for doing that. Maybe she'll be strong doing the business with us. So I would actually validate that. That's yeah. what's been really intriguing to me that like for, if anyone is working for a company or something, well, my dissertation research looked at the leadership strengths of people living with serious mental illness for That's advocates. Right. Yep. And I was amazed at what I found. Like honestly, after researching, doing that research, I would probably like you can't ask this question, but I, like if, if I could ask, hey, do you have a mental illness? Like you would move to the top of the pile. Right. Because <laughs> right? I'm like, if you are living with a right. serious mental illness, Right, and you are here interviewing for this job. You're you're probably a like really, really. amazing right. coping skills. Yeah, <laughs> right? I always like, say like I feel like I'm the lucky one that yeah. that I was able to say something's wrong and I want to be better. Yeah, I just yeah. want to be better. Yeah. Like I'm the lucky one, and a lot of people are that way too. They're not speaking their truth like I am, but they are to themselves and they're right. they're saying i need to do something about this and yeah. like you know how you say like you've had to be treated for depression and that kind of stuff well you're self-aware enough to go and do that and take care of yourself so many people well, right sort now of. still I have, to, I have to put a huge asterisk next to that though okay. i'm putting a plug in for um primary care mental health screenings. Yes. So, so the way my depression was caught, and I'm a freaking mental health advocate who's written a book on this and who yep. has had chronic depression. So it wasn't right. my first rodeo either. Right. And uh, I was literally sitting in my wellness checkup. Right. And my doctor whipped out this depression screening. Yep. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. And she looked at me, she goes, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we need to get you Let's some help. get this going here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, did you know? I was like, didn't it just like became my normal and my reality and that's the problem it's like exactly you know and one of the first episodes I was like you know this this podcast is not for you if you are like comfortable and you're like depression blanket and it's you know you're oh just I wasn't on the couch. to be clear right no no, no. That, that's yeah. what I mean about yeah. like when I was talking at first I'm like this podcast is not going to be for those people listening that like yeah. you're cool with it like you're good in like your dark space like <laughs> Then you need to stop listening because this is for people who are like not good not for cool that. Yeah, yeah, like not good with that. Yeah, so. yeah, it's really good to feel like myself yes. again. Yes. Um, I, and yeah, it's just like, I just think it's funny that we're so, like, we just like move on. We, like it's hard. You have yep. to stop and pause. You have to hit that pause button. Yep. Right. And be yep. able to say, okay, what's going on? Yeah. You know? like I'm not functioning correctly. I, you know, I'm going to work. That's so here's the weird happening. thing. Like yeah. I told someone this the other day, like I, they said, well, how are you? And I said, 
I can hear birds singing again, oh. which is true. Like, yeah, that, when clear. I look back, I was like, I remember when the medication finally started working, and I yep. woke up and I heard birds singing. Yeah, it sounds a little trippy. I'm actually no. really attuned to birds right now. Totally. Like, like I feel like I maybe speak their language. Like, <laughs> like totally. So whatever meds I'm on, like every time I hear birds song, yep. I'm like, oh yes, yep. speak to me, birds. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel you, girl. <laughs> yeah. Shit. But it's been amazing. Yeah. Like, because you don't it realize you're missing. Yeah, yeah, that's why I just like if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, I don't think I'm depressed, but or like I don't right. think I have issues, oh, right? You know, and and get second opinions and third opinions. Yeah, this is sure. not the same as other medical. We want it to be looked and at the as first medical, medication but, doesn't work, right? And maybe the but second, keep and going. maybe the third, right? right. Like, I was underdiagnosed yeah. and overmedicated yeah. and misdiagnosed. And was on stuff that I shouldn't have been on. I was a zombie. Yeah. So when I finally got to the Lamictal, it was like, like it felt like something had just completely opened up in my mind. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that's where you get to where it's like, and then I remember people being like, do you have to take that for the rest of your life? I'm like, yeah. Just like insulin, if you're diabetic. I love that analogy. I remember I had someone ask me that. She said, well, I just feel like I should be able to manage my bipolar disorder on my own without medication. Mm. And I was like, oh, really? Good luck to you. Yeah, and I have hypothyroid disease, right? right? And I'm like, I have never thought to myself, I just feel like I should be able to manage my thyroid condition on my own without my daily medication. I've never thought that. Or my kidney my dialysis. Yeah. I think maybe I'm just going to yoga my way out yoga of it. Yoga my way out of it. Like diabetes, right? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. Pray your way out of it. And yeah. that's a whole other story. Uh, but... Yeah, I wrote about that in my book. But... Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. Like It's tough. God gave you the medical community. Like, yeah. you can only go so far. Whether you want to say God or the universe or whatever, like, that's what they're there for. You don't just decide, like this is the way it's going to be for me. Like you're not an expert in the body or else you would know everything. So, so that's, that's my like, opinion. We have to end pretty soon. And it actually brings me back to a question I want to ask you okay. uh, because I think about this a lot. So what are the benefits? What benefits do you get from having the mental illnesses that you have? What do they add oh, to your boy. life? What do they contribute to your existence? I would not be this funny. If I... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm asking, how is your mental illness your superpower, Brooke? (laughs) I am. And if you look, uh, statistically, comedians have something going on. So I would definitely not be as funny or have this, like, you know, gregarious, large personality if I didn't have that coursing through my veins. Right. Like, being super self-aware. I don't like the word empath, but I I do feel like that's part of it for me is, like, I can sense bullshit so easily. And so that's been able to protect me because I, yeah. I can see, um, I'm like dating again. And some guy <laughs> said like, you're so sharp and you know, nobody's going to get any horse shit past you. And I'm like, first of all, are you trying to get horse shit yeah. past a bunch of girls? Like, you yeah. know, that was kind of this funny thing, yeah. but, um, that is definitely a power is being able to perceive and feel things that maybe other people aren't because you're so self-aware. So I don't know if it's the mental illness or if it's the self-awareness. I, I don't know. I think know. they go hand in hand. Like just Definitely. really what I found, it goes back to that hiring question, right? Like yeah. people who are living with mental illness successfully have done a lot of work. Yes. They've done just so a ton of work. I hadn't you know? thought about it that way. But you I'm think very about employable. 
Right. Because <laughs> you have worked so hard yes. on yourself. And yep. I was even thinking about your poor mom because Borderline's a tough one. It's right? a tough one. But the sure. people who managed to live with Borderline, who've done dialectical That's behavior. That's a lot of work. DBT. Yeah. Holy cow, those people yep. are so strong yes. and resilient and self-aware. Yeah. I just feel like it's in true. some ways it does just make you... It's a superpower. It really is. And it's freeing. It's like I. It's a sort of like I know what's wrong, even though, like it's yeah. it's a struggle. And if I don't get enough sleep, and you know all those things, don't do enough yoga, you know, <laughs> right. uh, then it, it it exacerbates it. But yeah, um, I think in a nutshell, it's that the ability to read people and then. Read, read myself. Yeah, yeah, read yourself. Sure. I, I do. I've seen that with so many advocates. And so yeah. I mean, I'd say that's another reason to, you know, tell your story. Tell it yeah. to yourself in the mirror. Tell it to Sa- your friend. It saves lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell a friend. Tell a, your teddy bear. Like, it doesn't <laughs> right. matter. Your right. baby. Yeah. Talk to your baby. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. I think, yeah. like, if you're parenting and you have a mental illness, I know with my depression, I've had to talk that through with my kids. Yep. You know, and that just makes it better. 100%. It helps them with their anxiety about mom. Right. right? Like, to say, this is what I'm going through. Right. Let's just talk about the it. The end of that episode with Broden, I said, yeah. what is what is it like to live with a mom with bipolar? And, uh, and he kind of stopped and I said, you can say whatever you want. He's yeah. like, are you sure? And yeah. so, and he was very open about it. And it hit me like, just the fact that we can have this conversation yeah. is awesome. It That's is. all I care about. I literally was like, I don't care what he says right now. The yeah. fact that we're having this conversation and it was pretty profound anyway but um it was great but honestly i I think that's the important thing the takeaway is that your story matters it matters to you first but then you really you know it matters to others i'm so grateful that you shared yours and that you let you shared your journey with me i'm so happy that this is the first one because i really am such a fan of yours i'm like likewise likewise yeah we're gonna do big things and hopefully i can get on the stage and be just as as charismatic as you and and (laughs) you're sweet you're gonna write my speeches for me i cannot wait for this is my brave i know you're gonna rock it it's gonna gonna be be so good oh my gosh this is so much fun i just loved it you are the best